Turn to the New Testament, the book of Philemon. Philemon, P-H-I-L-E-M-O-N, right after the book of Titus. Right before the book of Hebrews. There's one little chapter with 25 verses in it. And it is a book. Little bitty book with a lot of words in it. So, let's pray. Lord, teach us your ways. Teach us your purpose and your will. And Lord God, let us hear your commands from on high. And let us, Lord God, honor you with obedience to your command. And let our lives be submissive to you. Lord God, in truth, may the Spirit work in our lives to help us, Lord God, to understand that you are directing us, you are commanding us. Let us not fall short, but let us keep running towards that prize. Let us keep running towards that eternity, towards that hope that you have given us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, anybody here ever had a grudge? A grudge, G-R-U-D-G-E. Man, I'm spelling today. The little one, Greg, said he's had a little grudge. I want you to understand something. Holding a grudge or holding something against someone, holding something against someone has not and never will be approved of by God. Okay? I want us to get this. It is not approved of by God. And when God, God has a very unique way of dealing with us when we harbor bitterness and grudges and and all this other stuff. You know, you, you ever notice how you felt when you had that grudge? How you just felt, yeah. But you didn't want to hold the grudge. You didn't want to let go of the grudge because you thought, hey, it makes me feel better to be mad at you for a while. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to not like you right now. That's basically what we're saying. And we don't realize that we're really hurting ourselves and we're, we're hurting our brothers and we're hurting our sisters in Christ and even those who are lost. So in this book, go down to verse 10. And I know you've heard sermons, and I know you think, okay, this is about forgiveness today. Well, in reality, yes and no. But just listen. Verse 10, I appeal to you, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in, in, in my imprisonment, who's formerly, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you. Is that my mic? Rubbing. Hold on. We're going to change? Okay. Y'all pause. Everybody hold on. 
Better? Ooh, man, that's hot. Y'all can hear me now. All right. Okay. So let's read that verse again. I appeal to you, verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and me. I have sent him back to you in person that is sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness will not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. Now, this is unique. Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing on the behalf. This is a personal letter that he's writing to Philemon, okay, on behalf of Onesimus, okay? Now, you got to keep in mind, this letter was written at the same time the book of Colossians was written, okay, the letter to the people in Colossae. So they go hand in hand, okay? But this is a separate one that he has to call out Philemon for something. Not bad, he's encouraging them, but something has happened in this relationship. Something that's happened in this relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. We know what happened. Um, Onesimus stole from Philemon, and, 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 and basically he ran off, and he ends up becoming a born-again believer in Christ. Now I want you to read something. He says, I appeal to you. Go back to verse 10. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. The very name Onesimus, it means useful, beneficial, okay, or, or, or some kind of, pro, it can profit you. That's what the name Onesimus means, useful, beneficial, or prosperous, or, or profitable. But he, look how Paul writes this. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, or, and that's a common name that was forgiven to slaves in this time. Because slaves were seen as useful, beneficial. And he says this, but look what he says in verse 11. Who formerly was useless. See, in his original name, Onesimus, Paul actually throws in the contrast or contradicts his name. He was useless in his current state. Onesimus was of no benefit to Philemon in his lost state. So even though his name meant useful, He truly wasn't useful because he was lost. And so Paul says, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful to you and me. So now his very name means more than just useful as a slave, but it means useful as a brother in Christ, useful to you and me. Paul had basically fallen in love, not some twisted love, but he had fallen in love with Onesimus, and he'd fallen in love with the fact that this young man now is part of the Christ, body of Christ. Praise God. You see, his name before was useless, but now it is completely useful to the kingdom. And he says this, and he says, I've sent him back to you in person that is sending my very heart. Paul is sending him back to make things right. But he's sending this letter to Philemon. To not hold a grudge. Because he's a brother in Christ. He is now a brother in Christ. Listen carefully, everyone. I want you to look at the person sitting to your right or to your left. Just look at him. Look at him. 
Not everyone has, not everyone has been looking at everyone. I need everyone to make eye contact with someone. Make eye contact. Make eye contact with someone that's sitting next to you. That's right. Don't look at me. Look at them. Look at each other. It's kind of hard. Miss Becky going to have to do it this way. Blair, look at Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, never mind. I, it always happens. That's someone in Christ. Onesimus is now useful for the kingdom. He's useful for the work of Christ. He's useful for all things God. And Philemon is having to understand that now for the first time. He's been this man, this master, this owner of, of slaves and owner of and Now keep in mind, I'm, we're not talking about slavery, but he's been this man. But now he's going to be forced. And keep in mind, he had a church operating in his house. The church assembled at his home. But then something happened, and his trust was betrayed. Onesimus was lost. He was useless. He was of no purpose. And then God saw fit to save him and put him back to work in the kingdom. But here's the unique thing about it. God didn't send him away. He sent him back to where the crime was committed to go to work for, for the kingdom. He sent him back, and, he's, and Paul didn't want to send him, but he had to send him. Because guess what was always going to be there if Onesimus and Philemon never got together? There was always going to be this. And the ministry of the church can never work through this. You see what I'm saying? As long as this is going on, even between two members, it affects the entire body. You force this one to pick a side. You force that one to pick a side. It will never work. And the whole body, the whole body of believers will be affected. The whole body of believers will be affected. Hear me carefully. Paul says this in verse 13, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. Paul is saying, I want the spirit to work freely inside of you to help you get over your issues, to help you forgive what has happened. I don't want to cause you to do it. I don't want to talk you into it. But I want you to get up and walk from the left side of the church to the right side of the church and speak to that one that you haven't spoken to. I want you to get up from the right side of the church to the left side of the church. And I want you to, guess what, hug the one that you are angry with. But I want it to be your own free will. Brother David, they're going to know we've been fighting. They already know. <laughs> Trust me, we already know. Brother David, I don't want it to have the appearance that we don't get along. They know that too. We discussed in Sunday school this morning, we're family, and we're going to disagree, but we're going to get along. 
You hear what I'm saying? We're going to disagree, but we are going to get along. Because what the church is going to see is that, yeah, there can be some hair pulling. There can be some eyeballs scratched out. There can even be maybe a few knives or guns pulled out. But at the end of the day, what will happen is we'll holster everything and say, you know what? (laughs) It ain't worth all that. There's none of that worth it. Now, some of you are probably sitting here going, well, what has happened to bring this sermon up? Thank you, Bill. (laughs) I'll tell you what has happened. I'm going to tell you exactly what has happened. Some of the grudges and some of the things that were going on before I was even hatched or thought about are still going on today. And you ain't never never get forgave or, 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 or even tried to make it right. Some of those things are still going on today. It ain't always got to be something new. It's always, but it can be something that you have refused. You have refused to receive your brother or sister in Christ back into the family over. You know what I mean? You understand? You've refused, you've rejected them. And see, and what Paul did was he met Onesimus and he led him to the Lord. And once he did that, Onesimus became a brother in Christ. So guess what has to happen to the brother in Christ? He has to be loved. He has to be forgiven. He has to be welcomed back. Now look at this. Look at verse 15. For perhaps he was, for this reason, separated from you for a little while that you would have him back forever. Onesimus fleed, he ran, he stole, and then he ran. But there was a purpose behind that bad thing that he did, because when he ran, he ran straight into someone who was going to present the gospel to him. He ran from his bad situation, ran straight to, unknowingly, to salvation. And when he did that, God, Paul is saying there was a reason God did that, so that you will have an opportunity now through the goodness that's in you, which only came through Christ to show him the goodness of Christ. You see, that's the great thing about it, y'all. That's the great thing about not holding a grudge. You get to show the world how you get over things. You get to show the world how you forgive things. You get to set the standard in your family's life. Your children, how many of you have little bitty children in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Guess how many hands went up? Well, there's enough of them went up that guess what? You get to extend shaking. We know why you're shaking, man. You need to stay off those amped energy drinks. Okay. Bless your life. You have to forgive that person that thought you were their grandfather. Here's the whole point. Here's the whole point. You know? You get to raise a generation. You get to raise a generation that can show, that can see, guess what? Mom and dad walked away from that fight. Mom and dad walked away from that disagreement. Mom and dad, guess what they did? You get to show a generation that. We get to continue to show generation after generation after generation the forgiveness of Christ in each and every day that we live. 
It is something that we get to do. That's an honor. I don't have to give you bitter herbs. I can give you the love of Christ through this smile and that, hey, okay, I got you. I got you. I, I, I understand you're upset. Hey, forgive me. And here, here's, here's some more Jesus for you. Here it is. And he, you get to do it of your own free will. So if that being your own free will, you can either suppress what the Spirit is telling you to do, or you can accept what the Spirit is telling you to do and act accordingly. I love asking this question because I ask you all this question about three, every three or four months. How many of you still have something against someone? Hmm? How many of you still have something against someone? There we go. There we go. There we go. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. How many of you still have something against someone? I'm going to ask it again. There we go. There's a, there we go. Some new ones. There we go. There we go. How many of you still have? There's another one. There's another one. Now that everyone is starting to see, hey, maybe I'm not so abnormal. Maybe I'm not so. You all still have something against someone. And as I said in the beginning, it is not okay with God. And you're making yourself sick over it. And you can't operate in the love of Christ while you're living that way. Now I'm going to ask you, so, ask you this question again. How many, many of you have something against someone? Come on. You can count yourself. How many of you have something? How many of you don't even can't tell if you have something against someone? How many of you don't know? How many of you just don't know? You don't know, do you? Ask yourself this. Ask yourself this question. If I were to see that person or be in that situation again, could I look them in the eye and tell them about Jesus? Can I look them in the eye and tell them about Jesus? How many of you have something against someone? There we go. You see, that's the thing. If you can't look them in the eye and preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's something holding, you're holding back on them. There's something about them. No matter what they've done, you're not. You know what? Well, Brother David, I've told them about Jesus. Have you told them again? Huh? Have you told them again? Yes, I told them two times. Have you told them the third time? Huh? Have you told them the third time? When did Jesus tell you to stop telling someone about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, if they reject it, that's another story. But he never told you to quit unless they reject you. And then that's still not a cause for a grudge. That's still not a cause to look down. That's still not a cause to say, you know what? I couldn't get it done. They're not worth saving. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. So I want you to get this. Onesimus is coming back. He's done this thing against Philemon, and Philemon is going to be asked through this personal letter, receive him as you would receive me. Philemon had love for Paul. Paul had love for Philemon. And that's why Paul had to tell him, 
you're going to have to accept him as you accept me. Can you do that? To that person you have a grudge against? How many of you accept me? How many of you accept me as pastor? I'll just use myself as an example. Okay, not everybody raised their hand. That's okay. You can, look, you don't ever want it to be 100%. You got to have that little variance in there. You accept, And so guess what? You accept me. Why? Why do you accept me? Huh? Why? Because of the love of Christ. Why else? Because I'm your pastor. God called me. Why else? I'm a what? Oh, great preacher. Oh, thank you. I thought I heard something else there. I was about to say, I'm, I'm about to get a grudge real quick. quick. He hits the nail on the head. Uh, shh, no more. <laughs> Here's where we are. Thank you. Thank you. Because you know God loves me. Because you love me. Then why would you have a grudge against someone? Are you telling them then, I don't love you? I don't love you. You see, Onesimus, I mean Philemon, he, he, he knew about the love. He said, look at this in verse 7. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. He has pointed out to them that he is showing love. He's giving the saints the refreshment, the encouragement that they need, and all of this. So with that said, you have this incident that's about to happen, that has happened, that's going to cause you to take that love to someone who had something against you, who did something against you, and you still have to offer it out to them. Are you going to be able to do that? Can you do that? Can you do that? If you can, then guess what? You still wouldn't have the grudge that you just raised your hand about a while ago. And you haven't done it. You haven't. So here's, look at this. Let's go forward. Verse 15. For perhaps he was, for, the, uh, for this reason, was separated from you for a while, while you have, have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord? You see, Christians can't do this because, guys, we got more in common than just whatever's separating you or not in common. You've got something that's bonding you together, that's holding you together, and it's Jesus Christ. And there can't be any of this in the body. It just can't happen. It's kind of like dealing with cancer. Cancer works against the body, doesn't it? So what do you have to do with it? You have to get it out. If you don't get it out, it continues to eat away at the body until it's eaten everything in its path. Correct? The grudge does the same thing. Because it may cause Miss Pinky to listen to one side of the, sermon, uh, the complaint and Jonathan to listen to the other side of the complaint, and then all of a sudden, they're on opposing sides. And then Lydia, she's like, well, yeah, Jonathan's not right. Miss Pinky's right. And then Roy is like, well, I think all of y'all are wrong. And now he's got his own thing going. 
that's not okay. So God is telling Philemon, he's telling Onesimus, he's telling both of them, you're, Onesimus, you're going back. I don't, I'd rather you stay here with me, but you're going back. And we're going to deal with this. And we're going to address it. And we're not going to let it stay under the rug anymore. It's going to surface. And it's going to come out. But at the end of it all, I know my brother Philemon and I know what he'll do. He'll stop doing this. He will not do this. But he'll do this. I know that. I know that. You see, and he says all of this and he writes all of this because this wasn't a private matter that happened. Okay, even though it happened to Philemon from Onesimus, this wasn't a private matter. Because if you go to Colossians chapter 4, go to Colossians chapter 4. Just go back a couple of pages. Go to verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each other. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your, our, your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, Paul made it a point in the book of Colossians to write out that Onesimus, the church knew what happened. So not only did he have to fix it with Philemon, but the churches have got to know now, hey, this one that's coming back in the house, he's one of yours now. Treat him as such. Who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Now they're seeing this letter penned by Paul, who says, I know who Onesimus was, but I know who he is now. He's coming back to you. And he's coming back on my behalf. You see that? So not only does the, it, you listen, if you got a grudge with someone, if there's something going on in the body of Christ, it is not a private matter. The church that found out about it privately, needs to know publicly that it's fixed. And it got fixed when Paul led Onesimus to Jesus, and he said, we're going to accept him as a brother. He's going to go back. He's going to go back, and he's going to face the music. He's going to stand. He's going to get in front of Philemon, and Philemon, here's what you're going to do in front of the church. You have every opportunity right now, Philemon, to say, I love you, and I forgive you. And there's no hard feelings whatsoever. But the church has got to see it. Now I just put it on another level. Brother David, you want me to walk up in front of the church and tell them how much I forgive this person and that person? No, what they need to see is the fruit of your relationship blossoming as you, you two get along now. That's what the church needs to see. They need to, hey, it needs to be a Roper family reunion, you know, Everybody's all separate, nobody's together, you know, and all this. And all this. But when they come, you, you know, they may live in different places and been through different things, but you can't tell it because when you go to the house, everybody's there. And they're all getting along, right? Unless there's one turkey leg left, and then you know what's happening. 
But get it. It's a fight. But they get along after a while. Next year, they'll just buy extra turkeys and not run out of legs. But here's the whole point. The church needs to see that that grudge is not there anymore. Because see, then when the church sees that the grudge is not there, when the church sees that everything is okay and that they're hugging and they're loving on each other, then guess what happens? The gossiping stops. The clicks stop. Everything that interferes with the operation of the body of Christ, it stops, and the body of Christ is able to do what it needs to do. Look at verse, look at verse 17. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. In other words, don't take him back as a slave. Go back to Colossians chapter 4. Go back to Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 1 in Colossians chapter 4. Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Guess what? Paul starts it out with correcting Philemon and making sure he understands he's even treating his slaves fairly as a Christian brother. But now you can't even treat him as a slave. You got to treat him as if he were me. See, that's what a grudge does. If I'm mad at Lydia and I have a grudge on, uh, at her, but yet I love my wife, guess what I have to do with Lydia to show that I'm over the grudge? I got to treat her as I would my wife or anyone else, and I got to love her to that extent. Guess what? It's got to be bubbling, it's got to be overflowing. It's got to be, and I know you have a question, well, what if they don't accept you? You don't have to give an account for if they accept you. You have to give an account for what you're doing. So don't worry about whether or not they accept it or not. Your fruit still produces the same thing. Keep on producing it. Now look at this. Then Paul takes it to another level. He says, but if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Now, we have Onesimus, we have Philemon, and then we have the church body. Guess what the church is willing to do? Behave just like Christ did. Listen to this carefully. He says, if, you ha- if he has wronged you, if he has committed a transgression against you, against you, against you, not against you, against you, if he has committed a transgression against you, charge it to me the perfect picture of Christ because we all committed a transgression against God and Jesus said charge it to me God see if he has wronged you in any way have we ever wronged God in any way have we ever does God have a right to have a grudge against all of us? All right. And Jesus said, God, so there won't be any grudges. If they have wronged you, charge it to me. This is where the church needs to be. In the forgiving act, in the getting rid of the grudge, and getting rid of the arguments, and getting rid of all of it. When they come to you and say, guess what brother so-and-so did to you, did to me? then you need to be saying, listen, if they've done anything to you, charge it to me, and let's go back and make it right. Do we do that as a church? Yes or no? No, we don't. We sit there and listen. And then we go tell someone else. 
and the grudge gets bigger. But we need to stop it, and we need to say, charge it to me. I'll stand in the gap for him, but treat him as a brother. Now look at this. I, Paul, verse 19, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me, owe to me even of your own self as well. You see, I don't care who you are. You're going to always owe someone. And Paul is reminding Philemon, you're going to always owe someone. So you need to be humble and accept them back. We owe Jesus a debt we can never repay, right? Or yes or no? Then we ought to live humble lives towards others. Not that he's even asked us to repay it, has he? He hasn't asked us to repay it. Yet we sit here and we bite and we snap and we growl at each other all day, every day over silly junk. Philemon was not going to be allowed to be mad over some money that Onesimus took from him. You need to determine in your life, I'm no longer going to be mad just because you're not the way I think you ought to be. You're not behaving the way I think you ought to. And I'm here to tell everyone right now, seniors, you need to hear this too. Being old don't give you the right to be grumpy about anything. Young folks, listen carefully. You ain't earned the right to get upset about something you ain't even been through. And all you middle-aged folks need to learn from the old and young ones. Don't do what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Because you still owe someone. You are still indebted to someone. And then Paul says this in verse 20, and it's so beautiful. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Show him the love. Get over it. Get past it. It's not okay with God. Treat him as you would me. Treat him as you would me. I walk in and out of businesses every day. You walk in and out of work every day. You see things all the time. And you comment. And you hold grudges. And you get angry. And you do all these things. And that's not refreshing. There's nothing more depressing to a pastor to sit here and have to tell Christian people how they ought to treat each other. And then a lot of you living in here and walking around in here like you're all fluffy and glorious and all this other stuff, and you walk around with a bitter attitude behind the scenes. Don't think I don't know it. More importantly, don't think God doesn't know it. You know, you've heard about the magical pavement. Get to church and y'all, ooh See you in the yard and you're shaking your fist, right? It's the real thing. We sit here and we talk about people and we do these things and we hold these grudges and we're not being real to ourselves about how we are and who we are. 
Refresh my spirit in Christ. Start loving through some things. Start loving as Christ loved you. Start doing it today. Fighting and arguing and disagreeing. And then the moment that they're lying here cold and in a casket, you want to come up here and cry over them. It's too late then. And you, you'll, you'll live a life of regret. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. When you could say, say instead, I lived, I lived, I lived a life of forgiveness and getting over things. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. And we're going to close with this last scripture. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all transgressions. Notice, stirs up. That means it has, it's an action. It strives to keep the grudge going. It strives to not let it go. It strives to not accept the fact that, you know what? There's still a person. There's still someone for whom Christ died. Hatred stirs up. Hatred stirs up. Hatred stirs up. When you have that little conversation and you whisper in the ear about something, about someone, guess what you just did? You just stirred up. And when you stir up, It ain't praise that's going to get stirred up. It ain't rejoicing that's going to get stirred up. But it's going to be strife. And then what happens? What happens? Then the bitterness comes. Then the anger comes. Then the unforgiveness comes. And then we're in direct, we're in direct contradiction to the word of God. If you don't forgive those who trespass against you, how can God forgive you? How can he? He can't because he's fair and he's just and he expects us to be. So you got to do it. And so Onesimus didn't have a choice but to go back and face the music and Philemon didn't have a choice but to accept him back as a brother in Christ. That was it. There was no other discussion that needed to be had. There was nothing else that needed to be said. You're going back, Onesimus. Philemon, you're going to forgive him. And if I have to, I'll pay the price for it. But there will not be disunity. There will not be discord, angst, strife, all of that stuff. It will not, cannot be allowed in the body of Christ. So I ask you again, how many of you have something against someone else?
You ain't, got to, you ain't got to admit it to me. You better admit it to God. And you better not leave this church today until you've prayed about it. And you walk out with a peaceful heart. Now, we all sit here every day and we deal with people all day, every day. And you can't sit here and tell me that there's everyone that they, you run into, you're treating them all with uh, lollipops and sweet tarts. Oh, hey, I'm so, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. You want to know why you're not doing that? Because I can see it right here in this building. We're not doing that. If someone comes in and you see them coming and you walk the other way because you don't want to deal with them, you ain't doing it. If you're running out that door to keep from talking to me because of something I said, you ain't doing it. Well, I just had to get out real quick, Pastor, and go here. Don't, I don't care. There's so-and-so in line. I'm not going to stand behind them. Where are you going to eat? I'm going over here. Good, because I'm going to go over here. If that's going on in your life, and it is, anybody bold enough to tell me it's not? Stand up and tell me it's not. Yeah. Yeah, see? You better get a heart of Philemon because Paul wasn't just saying that to Philemon to make him feel good. He knew the man's heart. He was just encouraging him in advance to do the right thing. You understand what I'm saying? I know your heart. I'm just encouraging you in advance to do the right thing. Because you're going to have an Onesimus. You've got one now, and if you don't, there's one coming. Where is he at? Who is he? So what's going to happen different today? Now that we're done with the scriptures? And I know everybody's going to tell me, you got to do the offering. You got to do the offering. I know we got to do the offering. But God don't want a dime of your money, of his money, until your heart is right with him concerning his brother. So ain't a plate going to get passed. Where's Jim at? Calm down, Jim. Be all right. <laughs> I love the fact that I could have picked on him with that. A plate ain't going to get passed. If you've already put it in here and you got something against someone, come get it out. We're not going to receive. You think God wants your offering? You think he wants your offering in that state of mind? Yes or no? Then why'd you give it to him? Did you check yourself before you did that? Did you? Or did you just come up and go, oh, yeah, there's a plate right there. Is that what you did? Is that what you did? Because if that's what you did, woo And you think God wants that? So, hey, look, y'all, it's the truth. And it's the way it is. Okay? Now, if you're ready, if you're ready, and here's what we're going to do when we close, okay, when we close, here's what's going to happen. 
We're going to close today. I don't, the ushers are not coming forward. We're going to close today in prayer, as we do every week. But we're going to close. And before you come to put whatever it is that you're going to put in there, you're going to come put it in today. You hear me? You're going you're gonna to show God. You're going to show God. God, I mean this today. Accept this offering and forgive me of my sin. That's what's going to happen today. If you can't come up and you want to give because you can't, you know, I know you're on crutches. I got that. We can handle that. But that prayer is going to be said. And as we dismiss in prayer today, after you get done, after the prayer is done and the amens have happened, you come up and you put your offering in. And then go eat. Okay? But don't, don't continue on. I, look, yeah, I understand. Yeah, did I, did I change it from an, uh, an, uh, a, a grudge sermon to an offering sermon? Yes. You want to know why? Because God says, quit offering me stuff like this and you're not in the right frame of mind. Okay? So you ain't got to worry about who's going to see you come up after that and offer. But you're going to come up and you're going to do it. Because I can't let you continue. I can't continue to pastor you in that state of mind. And then after you do that, what? I lied, Greg. Sorry, Jasmine. I said I was closing, but I got to give you one more scripture. Go <laughs> Go to Matthew chapter 5. Yes, sir. That's where I'm going right now. That's where I'm going. <laughs> he just gave me the scripture I tell, I'm telling you to go to. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And that's what he just wrote down. <coughs> and that's where I was going. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that a brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, <coughs> and go first to be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Sure. <coughs> six fourteen, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Anything else you want to preach? <laughs> no, he's right. I mean, look, the word of God is coming through whoever. <coughs> and so did ours. So, y'all, we got some work to do. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's working on this body. And don't nobody on the outside of this church want to come walking up in the church when there's a bunch of that going on. You don't think they can sense that? You know what's going on, right? And guess what? It's going on in every church in this community. We're not immune to it. We're not immune to it. 
And no other church is either. It's just, it determines what, what we need to determine right now is are we going to continue to let it go on and affect our lives? Or are we going to be Philemon and let Onesimus come back and treat him as a brother? Huh? Your life is stagnant and stale and at a stopping point <coughs> because you're ridiculously and uselessly mad at someone about something that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Hey, y'all, we got a hundred different personalities in this church. Get over it. Everybody ain't like you. <coughs> Thank God everybody ain't like you. Amen. Can you imagine a hundred of me running around in here? <coughs> Next thing you hear out of me would be a gunshot. That'd be me taking my own life, not taking y'all's, because I ain't, I ain't going to jail for it. No, just kidding. You ready? So now, I'm gonna give Brother Roy a mic. Brother Roy's gonna pray, <coughs> and as he prays, you pray. But then, as he, thank you, I got a cough drop. Thank you. As he gets done praying or even as it's going on if in your prayer you feel like you're done you've done what you needed to do then come put your offering in but I'm here to tell you right now it ain't about receiving a certain dollar amount or anything like that it's about you being right before you do something so if you're not in the right state then guess what get there any questions? No questions. Brother Roy. <clears throat>